1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, we're here in verse 6, 7, and 8, and we've been kind of parked here for several weeks, and we're going to kind of wrap them up, and then next Sunday, or well, the, follow, the next time, we're going to look at that issue at the end of verse 8, the Lord of glory. So if you, let's just read verse 6, uh, well, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Albeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, we're in this section, and... We're gonna. I'm just gonna tell you. We're gonna. We're gonna go a little longer today because I really want to hammer, get done, and so we can get moving on. But when we're here, where Paul is rebuking the Corinthians for for advocating, for adopting, for going after human wisdom, and he we looked last time at that issue of the princes of the world and the fact that Paul tells them, "Hey, I got stuff I want to tell you, but I can't tell you," and that's a rebuke to them. Okay, because Ephesians or chapter three, what are they? They're babes in Christ. They're carnal. They're not on the edification process, and that's that issue of perfect. They're being not sinless or not, you know, faultless, but rather someone who's growing, someone who's moving along the edification design, the edification process. They have literally stopped, and in doing that, they have fallen into the snare of the devil, uh, we, 2 Timothy 2, and they're operating under his will, and that snare that the devil has for the believer is for the believer to unwittingly participate in the rebellion against God's word. And that's literally why this is so, and kind of why we're spending time here, even though I know it's 1 Corinthians 2, because Paul is pressing the dangers of adopting human wisdom, okay? And the danger of leaving the word of God rightly divided is dangerous and it's serious. And the danger here uh, of going after human wisdom in order to gain spiritual understanding or spiritual enlightenment or whatever, the philosophy and everything, you'll never find it outside of God's word. So you're going to leave God's word, but then you part- in doing that, what are we participating in? The total rebellion program. And, and believers get sucked into that, and they get sucked into it, again, unwittingly. I don't know of anybody who willingly is rebelling against God, okay? That's a believer talking about, but it's just how the case is. So in verse 6, he talks about the princes of this world, verse 8. The princes of this, which none of the princes of this world knew. And we, we looked at that last time about the, the adversary and the operatives that are behind the scenes, uh, the deep state, if you will, and, and the fact that they are the ones pulling the strings. And that's why Paul says, I've got information I want to give you, but I can't because you're not progressing on the edification path and you're really a, a part of that deep state, that rebellion that's going on against God's word. So when, we, when you think of, again, we, we saw Satan uses 
a human agent to do this. He's the prince, the power of the air, the invisible realm, the prince, a power, a governmental authority. He's the government and ruling authority over this invisible realm, and its, and its impact on the earth is evident, but also the impact into the heavenly places. Ephesians 6, he talks about we, warn, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness where? In high places. So this issue here that's happening with the princes of this world, I, I think it's something that we need to be, pay very close attention to. Because just as the adversary uses human agents, uh, look over at uh, chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 11. And when we get over to that, to this passage, then we'll see it obviously a lot clearer. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And that's the guy that's back up in verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, and then there's another spirit and another gospel. What are they? They're the workers of Satan. See, verse 15, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. What's he use? Satan uses human, hum, humanity, man, to do what? To come in and to promote and to protect the doctrines of devils, doctrine, scriptural but not dispensational, you know, all of that. But just as Satan does that, God does the same thing. God uses human agents. Isaiah 14, when we looked there last week, Isaiah, go talk to the king of Babylon. And then he talks to Lucifer. See? Well, who's behind the king of Babylon? Who's operating, pulling the, the course of the world? Lucifer is. Ezekiel um, 28, go talk to the prince of Tyrus. Go talk to the king of Tyrus. And then who's he talking to? Satan. You were in the Garden of Eden and so forth. So just as the adversary is behind the scenes working, God also uses human agents to speak to that adversary. And that's what we're dealing with here. And what Paul's doing now is he's making a connection here with what God's doing today by bringing up the issue of the princes of the power, okay, but he's doing so so that you and I understand the danger of going after human wisdom, human philosophy, human viewpoint. So in verse 7 now, he says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, by the way, that was a quick review of like the last three, last three weeks, so the last, what, four hours of study we've done, okay? Now, as he begins to bring up this thing about a mystery and a hidden wisdom, okay, and if none of the princes of this world knew it, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So there's a connection here between the revelation of the mystery and its impact on the princes of this world. And that, that connection is something I don't want us to miss. I, we need to see it. 
when we talk about a mystery, when Paul talks about a mystery, he's not talking about something that is mysterious, spooky, okay? He's not talking about man's ability to or inability to comprehend or to understand, okay? That is what religion out there does to this mystery doctrine is they say, see, it's always been there, but man's too hard-headed and too rebellious to understand it, to comprehend it. So God had to reach down, get Saul of Tarsus, and give it to him and make sure he understood it so then he could make every, you know, and it's like, no, not at all. That's not what Paul's talking about. He says, before, ordained before the world. You see, when you think about mystery and you think about the hidden wisdom, you got to think about before the world began, kept secret since the world began. So literally what Paul's going to do is take us back before Genesis 1. We'll get there and just we'll talk about some of that in a minute. But if you think about from Genesis 1:1 to Acts chapter number 9, God has revealed a majority of his word. He's made it known. Okay? So they'll say, see, all the information about the cross has been revealed. The problem is that man is so rebellious that the cross is a mystery to him. It's available, it's knowable, but man in his hard-heartedness and his stubborn rebellion against God just chooses to, they can't comprehend it. It's a mystery. That's not what Paul is ever talking about. Never, 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 never. That's not what seven, chapter 2, 7, and 8 is about at all. For the believer, for a Bible believer, I challenge you, go back in the Old Testament and look for the stuff that Paul talks about the cross. And you know what? You will never find it. You know, well, it's an allurement too. No, it's not. God didn't say it. God didn't talk about it. Okay? And, and what happens in, in that is th- th- there's a thing coming out of verse 5 here about your faith. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. All, all excited for Alabama's win last night, you know, okay? <laughs> Some of you, uh, look at Paul. It, there you go, okay. See, Paul had a bet going. I would get the roll tide in there real quick. But the point, the thing is, is for Paul's point here in, in 1 Corinthians 2, is that the mystery had nothing to do with man's ability or inability to comprehend or understand. That's number one. Number two, the mystery has nothing to do with man's choice of receiving the information or not receiving the information because it's not there to be received. Okay? Again, some some will argue, well, if man had just been humble, and believe the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ, they would not have crucified him. That's not what verse 8 says. See, If, if the princes of this world, by the way, when they say man, they think the princes of this world is the human Nero, Rome, the United States government, Russia. 
They think about that being the princes of this world. And that's why we spent so much time last talking about these guys. It's not. It's the guys behind the human agency, the human uh, actor. So Paul is going to develop something here in, in talking with the Corinthians, in rebuking the Corinthians, that is in this mystery, hidden wisdom, is, in, is a reference to a system of truth that no one knew because God had said nothing about it. And that drags us back up to verse 5. You see, the issue here is that God had not spoken anything about this mystery doc, the truth that he revealed to Paul, it's not a reference to something that's not understandable or knowable or you can't comprehend it. You know, people, all oh, the mysteries of the kingdom. See, there they are. No, it's not. You go read the mysteries of the kingdom. It has nothing to do with salvation going to the Gentiles apart from Israel. You know who tells us that? Paul does. See, Look at 2.5 that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, let's think about that issue, your faith. In connection to this mystery, the hidden wisdom. So come back to Romans 4. And you have to think about faith, Romans chapter 4. Because when you think about what Paul's doing with the Corinthians, and then i.e. with the body, with the church at large, but you and I, Romans 4, look at verse 18. Now, we're talking about Abraham, 4.18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, now watch, according to that which was, what? Spoken so shall thy seed be. So the hope there is the seed line, having, the, having Isaac and the pat. But notice where his faith rested in, in that which was spoken. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, which he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How was Abraham strong in faith? He believed what God said. So if God, faith, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We can never have true faith unless God tells us something. That's the point. Faith is simply believing what God says, not what we think God is saying, not believing in God or that there is a God or any of that, but faith is believing what God said. So the formula of faith is what? God said it, I believe it, or I don't believe it. See. So when you think about what Paul's doing, come back to chapter 2, 1 Corinthians, what he's doing here. It's import, is it important to believe what God says? Yeah. So then isn't it just as important to believe what God does not say? Yes. So, prior, so from Genesis 1-1 to Acts chapter number 9, God does not say some things. He kept his mouth shut. 
They are not back there. Then in Acts 9 with Saul of Tarsus, Paul on the road to Damascus, he now does what? He says some things that are not back there. He says some things that aren't back there so that those back there can't respond to something he's going to say over here. Because had the princes of this world known back here what he's going to reveal, what would they have not done? Crucified the Lord of glory. You, you follow that? See, what happens is, is we think about the mystery, and there's a bigger impact here than just your justification unto eternal life. It's, it's wonderful to catch. It's just important, just as important to believe what God has not said. See, So the mystery, when it comes to the mystery, how can you believe anything if God never said it? He doesn't say it back in time past. Can't believe it. So man back there wasn't looking for something that he didn't know. Why? Because God never said a word about it. So the mystery, the hidden wisdom, a system of of revelation that God kept hidden in himself. No way to have faith in it. So when you hear religion say, well, if man had just believed, it, they had nothing to believe back there because he didn't say it. So we need to appreciate the fact that God deliberately did not say something so that no one could react to it. He deliberately kept his mouth shut. And we need to appreciate that. Because it was a hidden wisdom, chapter 2, verse 7, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. That's fantastic. So while I, let's, let's, let's look at the mystery. Go over to Ephesians 3. And I realize that for a lot of us, this will be review, and that's okay. It's safe to be on review ground. But I'm looking, I want you to catch the connection with the princes of this world, okay? Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. So we have a dispensation of the grace of God. We have the D-O-G-G, -G, the dog, the dog, okay? Verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Isn't that interesting? He made known unto who? Me, the mystery. What's the mystery? Well, it's going to be the dispensation of the grace of God. Verse uh, well, finish verse three and four. As I wrote a four and a few and a, uh, as I wrote a four and a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Now, catch the end of three and connect it with five. How that by revelation he what made known unto me the mystery. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known. So then what that means it's not back there. <laughs> you can't make some, you cannot. It is so bad, so dangerous to take Pauline truth and read it back into the Old Testament. Time passed. That is dangerous because it's not there. 
Because if it ha is back there, then guess what? The princes of this world would have known it, and they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's why 7, chapter, 1 Corinthians 2, 7, and 8 is so critical. Such dynamic, even in the middle of rebuking people who, on the edification process, has no clue what he just said to them. But for you and I, as we look at that, we go, wow, look at the, the mystery is a big deal to God. So it should be a big deal to us. By revelation, verse 3, God said something. He literally, physically, verbally communicated to the Apostle Paul some information about the, the eternal ramification, the eternal result of Calvary. What Calvary men, meant, means. It has, it has, by the way, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. You've got to catch that, by the way. How did Galatians chapter number 1, verse 11 and 12, Paul receives his revelation directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 5, how do you and I get, get the revelation? By the Spirit. That's a, what did the Spirit do? We're going to see in 1 Corinthians 2, he wrote some words down, some specific words that magnify and manifest the glory of the Lord of, uh, of glory. And he revealed some truth, and you and I come in in a written word, and we study it. We're not getting a direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. What are we getting? We're getting the direct revelation from the, Holy, the work product of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now I'm way ahead there, but that's where we're at. Look at verse 3. But now it's made known. The only way for anyone to know about this is for God to say something, to reveal it. And God chose Saul of Tarsus, Paul, to reveal it, to make it known. Verse 5, he kept a secret. You can't find this in the Old Testament. Yeah, but Rick, there's an allurement. No, there is not. There's never an allurement. For there to be an allurement to it would indicate what? That God's got something to do over here. You know the passage in, in, the, in the prophets where it talks about the war in heaven and where God's going to bathe the sword in heaven? And everybody goes, oh, see, he's talking about the body of Christ. No, he's not. Because if he was, then who would have known something was up in the heavens? Satan would have figured that out. He's the smartest creature. Actually, he's the wisest of wise. See, it, the war in heaven is no allurement to you. What is the war in heaven? Revelation 12, it's to get the devil out of heaven, clean up the starry skies. Why? Because he had created the heavenlies to be a communication tool. They're polluted. We're going to clean the pollution out. It's second coming. It's time to clean the mess up. I told myself, don't get excited. But this is so, because it's so, it's just, it's all connected. And it comes from this, I don't use the S word, but I'm going to, stupidity of religion that says, oh, see, it's hidden back there in little nuggets. No, it is not. Oh, but we see the grace of God. Of course, God's a gracious God. Noah found grace in the eyes of God, but it's not the dispensation of grace. Verse 9, 
So the mystery has everything to do with God hiding some information and then what? Revealing it. Verse 9, 3, 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, by the way, verse 6. Here's what he revealed. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and, and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. <gasps> oh, nobody ever said that before. Yeah, but Rick, the, the, the new covenant back there and Israel going out to the Gentiles. Yeah, but that says Israel is the channel. Who's the channel here? Christ by the gospel. It, there, Israel's not in the way. Israel's out of the way here. See, you can, I, and I know what people do. Oh, well, they read stuff in there because they don't want to give Paul his due. They just don't want God to have the right to keep some information secret and to reveal it later because it throws everything in tops of turvy so that they can't now say to you, where's your 10% this year? It's the end of the year. So I already got the emails. I'm with the companies. Hey, you know, make sure your people are given 10% Christianity today. Give their, make sure, make sure. And I'm like, dude, relax. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe. I unsubscribe from them and they still subscribe me up. I don't get it. It's like, dude, but what, how can they do that? They can't identify or acknowledge right division. They have to keep it. So guess, by the way, who's keeping it there? Satan is. The adversary is. Why? Because what's what keeps the majority of Christianity duped? Being scriptural but not dispensational. So Satan's got the course going. And if I can keep, if I can make this less and human wisdom and viewpoint and theology more, then I've won. And you and I sit here and go, no, 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 no. And we're the bad guys. Why? Because that's the system. All right, way off. Verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Come over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Folks, there, this is, this is not complicated. God hid some information in himself. He kept a secret. He didn't say anything about it. He never revealed it. And then he says, now I'm going to reveal it to the Apostle Paul, to Paul and call him Apostle, and he's going to do it. It's not in that Old Testament. It's not back there. It's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know what they say. Oh, by Jesus comes grace and truth. See, there's the dispensation. No. It's a dispensation of the grace of God. Colossians 1, look at verse 25. Whereof I, and that's Paul, am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made known, but now is made manifest to his saying. It's been hid from what? Ages and from generations. So there takes out Israel, because everybody knows generations is usually talking about Israel. It's really not, but it does. Ages. Think about this. Paul gets a glim gives us a glimpse back into eternity past. 
And he says, There's not, this has nothing to do with man's IQ. It has nothing to do with whether they chose by faith to believe. It has nothing, it has to do with that God knew it. He had it in his mind, he had it in his heart, and he kept a secret. See, you and I can't do that. You tell me a secret, I can pretty much keep it until somebody says, so, what did Phil say to you? I, nothing, it can't say, what did Phil, what? okay, fine, but you can't say anything. And then Phil comes, why did you say, I didn't say it, they said, you know, and see, that's us, right? But, but not God. What did he do? He just kept a secret. This is why this this is why right division dispensational Bible study is so critical. It's why I I've said it. I'll continue to say it. We recognize the place that God has placed the the distinctions that God has placed in His Word, where God dispenses information to humanity. Dispensation, dispensing of information. Over the ages, God gave out information to humanity on how they're to live, how they're to respond to him, to worship, to serve, to function. Think about the dietary laws. Adam, only eat the, the, the veggie. Adam couldn't have a steak. Adam didn't know what a steak tasted like. He could only eat this. Now Noah, you can go hunt. Now Noah knows what an elk, elk burger tastes like. Could Israel eat anything? No, they had clean and unclean. But you and I can do what? Eat anything as long as it's received with thanksgiving. That's a little different, isn't it? That's a contradiction unless you do what? Rightly divide the word of truth. Come over to Romans 16. Romans 16, verse 25. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. Think about my gospel for just a second. What, did Paul, what is Paul going to tell us in my gospel? He's going to tell us that the mediator between man and God now is who? The man, Christ Jesus. It isn't the nation of Israel. That's a completely different ballgame. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. What did 1 Corinthians 2, 7? Hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world began. Hidden wisdom that's been kept secret before the world, so before Genesis 1-1, and then subsequently since Genesis 1-1, it's been what? Kept secret. So God didn't reveal it before the world began, and then he didn't reveal it since the world, since Genesis 1-1. What did he do? He kept a secret. Now, I hope you have written down by Romans 16-25 somewhere, Acts chapter 3 and verse 21. And Luke chapter 1, verse 70. So Acts chapter 3, look over there real quick, verse 21. Acts 3, 21. This is Peter talking. Whom the heaven must receive 
until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Well, if something's been kept secret since the world began, that is not the same thing as something that has been spoken since the world began. Those are two different things. Luke chapter 1, verse 70, you have John the Baptist's dad, Zacharias here, talking about uh, not only John the Baptist, but also the Lord. Verse 70, as he spake by the mouth of, the holy, of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Paul says, you know what? It was hidden. Now it's going to be revealed. That's the mystery. Now, real quickly, when you think about the mystery... Prior to the revelation of the mystery, prior to the revelation given to Paul, no one talks like Romans 3. Come to Romans 3. Just think about this. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. No one talks like this. Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the righteousness of God without the law. No one ever said that before. It's always been, you want to do the righteousness, you got to have the law. Even the right, verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness and the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. No one's ever talked like that. Ever. Peter doesn't even talk like that in Acts 2 when he talks about the cross. See? But now, we talk like that. Why? God kept a secret, and he's made it known. No one talks about the Lord Jesus Christ being the propitiatorial payment for all the world. Him, personally, and it being upon all, and unto all, and upon all them that believe. It was always, he was going to be that propitiatorial sacrifice, but through who? Through Israel. See, This now, again, 1 Timothy 2 He's standing on his own. He's the mediator between. Look, look, look over there. On, on your way, stop at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No one's ever said that. Do you know how simple that is? One syllable words. That's just so simple. Come to 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3. 1 Timothy 2.3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have, here's the will of God, he would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in, of, in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. No one ever talked like that prior. Not even the Lord Jesus Christ talks like that. He, he looks over there. They come and hey, Lord, she's nagging at us. Would you just shut her up? He goes, I wasn't sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I ain't sent to that woman. She can pound sand for all I care. I mean, you think about what he's saying there. And then she says, Lord. And then he goes, and why? Because she says, I'm a dog, and I'm in the right position, and you're the Lord, and I know who you are. And he says, okay, your faith is greater than this stinking nation I'm dealing with. I mean, bring, you got to think about what the Lord's saying. But he didn't go there and say, okay, come here, child. You're good to go. No. He says, I wasn't sent to her. I'm sent over here. Now Paul says, you know what? Through the revelation given to me, guess what? <laughs> it's time to go. So come back to 1 Corinthians 2. Now, when you read 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 and 8, what Paul is not referring to is what we just looked at in Romans 3 and in 1 Timothy and Ephesians 2. That's not what Paul's talking about. Because the mystery is not about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's been talked about since when? Since Genesis 3. The event of the cross has been prophesied. Isaiah 53, Psalms 22, Genesis 22, Psalm 69, Psalms 48. You just, it's all over back there. That's why he says what Moses said in the law and the prophets, I fulfilled. I did it. I took care of it. You see, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection has been prophesied since the world began. So that is not what the mystery is about. The mystery is about the unprophesied result of the cross. There's an eternal ramification, an eternal result that Calvary accomplished. That was what God hid in himself. What did it mean? Remember that passage in Peter when the prophets are talking about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, and they want to know what in the world's going on here? I mean, a legitimate question, and the Lord's, the Holy Ghost says, it's not for you, you write it, it's coming for other folks. Now, they're in relationship to the kingdom. That stuff's been talked about. So, Paul is talking about that eternal ramification. The Ephesians 3, the dispensation of the grace of God. Colossians 1, the dispensation of God. That's the mystery that's now revealed. Because if you look at 2.8, what does 2 verse 8 say? Had they, for which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, it what? Not the cross, the hidden wisdom, the mystery. Had they known it, had they known what God had kept a secret, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan, think, just think about this. Satan made a tactical error at Calvary, 
Why? Because God kept a secret. God let Satan go and do all the dirty work. God let Satan go and cause all of the angelic realm to go into rebellion. He let it happen. God let Satan go and deal with Adam and Eve and cause man to go into rebellion. He let it happen. Why? He's got a secret in the pocket. He's got a, a response to it. God let Satan do his dead level best. Think about what Satan thought when he had killed the Lord Jesus Christ. He thought he won. I won. The, they're lawful captive talking about Israel. They belong to me. I've won. And it sure enough looked like it. And yet God says, hang on a minute. I got something. <laughs> Suitcase number one. Here it comes. And he reveals the truth. He revealed the hidden wisdom that Paul had tucked that he had tucked, hidden himself. And he reveals to the Apostle Paul this, the, the, the eternal ramification, the eternal consequence of what you just did. What Satan did was his very undoing, the very thing that was gonna, is going to destroy Satan's plan of rebellion, he went and did it. Because, and this is going to get us into the Lord of glory, which we'll do in, a, in, a, in, in, in next time. But the thing is, is notice what Paul's doing in verse 8, 7 and 8. He is taking biblical history and condensing it. He's taking Genesis 1-1 to Acts 9 and condensing it down into just a blip on the, on the chart. Why? Because when did God ordain this mystery? Before Genesis 1-1. When did God reveal it? Acts chapter number 9. Everything in between is in, in, inconsequential. doesn't mean anything. Paul takes us, literally, God didn't say anything about this so no one could respond to it until Acts chapter 9 when he talks to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus and he begins to reveal some things there to him. By the way, look over at Acts 13. I was reading this for next hour, but look at Acts 13. Just so you see something here, uh, John, Acts 13. You think about what's happening here. Paul, Acts 13 is Paul's first, uh, it's not his first message, but it's his first message recorded in Scripture. And it's a history lesson to the nation of Israel, but verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. No one's ever said that. He just, and you know what Satan did? Uh-oh. The moment, Acts 21, Acts 26, sorry, Acts chapter 26, the mist before, and he, back in eternity past, 
Paul takes you and I back before. He gives us a history lesson here. God prepared his response to the rebellion of the adversary, he, to the rebellion of man. God, before he, he created any of it, he re- developed his response. And then he kept that response a secret. Acts chapter 26 Paul is in before Agrippa and recounts the Acts 9 event. Verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Think about what, that's Acts 9 in the, in the moment, in, on the road, and you know who's watching that? Satan, and he hears the Lord say this to Saul of Tarsus, and you know what Satan went and did? Uh-oh, I messed up. <laughs> because how are they going to get the forgiveness of sins? My gospel. How do they know about an inheritance in the heavenly places? See, Paul instantly understood we had our hope in where? Heavenly places. Satan thought he had won the victory here. He's got Israel in total chaos. Acts 7, they killed Stephen. They've committed the unpardonable sin. They're lawfully mine. I have won. And then God comes over here, pulls a secret out, reveals some information to, to, to Saul of Tarsus about, you know what, I got a plan to deal with the heavenly places. Wait a second, no, it's not back here. You see how shocked Satan was? The most shocked creature in the universe on Acts 9 was Satan because his very, what, and how can God give you and I the heavenly places based on the cross work of Christ? See, see Calvary is central. Now, come over to Ephesians 3. All that is not in my notes, but it's what's going on here. You see, Paul is, when he talks to the Corinthians about, hey, had the princes, this hidden wisdom, had anybody known about it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory over here, not because, it, not in the light that Calvary wasn't talked about, because it is talked about, but what it meant, the meaning, the eternal ramifications of it. Had Satan had any inkling about him using Calvary to reconcile the universe back to the rightful owner, heaven and earth, you know what they would have said? Ain't going to happen. Satan would have ran up there and put an armed guard around the Lord to keep him from being crucified. Why? Because it's Satan's very undoing. Now, Ephesians 3, you back there? Verse 9, just think this through, okay? And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world God uh, hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Again, hid in God before the world and then since the world. Okay, so with Genesis 1-1, he didn't say, okay, time to tell a secret. He kept it secret. Now watch verse 10. To the, what? Intent. You know, when they go to court and they have to prove intent? What's the, why? Why does God do 
verse 9, make all, why is God revealing, making all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery? 2 and 10, what's his purpose? What's the ram of, what's, well, God on purpose revealed to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. You know what? Right on time, what did God do? He pulled the veil off. He opened the suitcase and said, here, to the intent. He's taken the veil off the hidden wisdom for the purpose, the reason, the intent of communicating to who? The princes of this world. To communicate to them. To communicate to the adversary. To communicate to the satanic policy of evil. What? His wisdom. His plan. When Satan killed the Lord, I mean, think about that. When God revealed to Paul, the Apostle Paul, the, the hidden wisdom, you know what Satan realized he had lost? Everything. Not just the heavenly places, but the earth too. He had lost it all. And when Satan killed the Lord Jesus Christ, he had convinced himself that he had won he had convinced, he was convinced in his wisdom plan that he had total victory and that he had achieved Isaiah 14 to be like the Most High God. That was his goal. I'm there. Why? Because I killed him. He had convinced himself. And you know what God says? Oh, yeah? <laughs> Hang on a minute there, pal buddy of mine, not so fast. Because I got something to show you, and I'm going to do it through a bunch of dumb, thump, dog-eating Gentiles over here. The lower than the lowest, scum of the earth. And you know what I'm going to show you? That the thing that you did is your very undoing. He took the wise in their own craftiness. Wait till we get to that verse. God revealed, verse 10, God revealed the manifold wisdom. He says, not only did my son die to give eternal life to humanity, Titus 1-2, to provide the redemptive plan, but he also died to reclaim something that Christ created for God the Father. Colossians 1. Think about what Jesus Christ created, Colossians 1. Because he created something for the glory of, of God. And Satan comes and by force takes it. Remember Isaiah 14, I will ascend, I will sit, I will, I will, I'm going to exalt my throne above, I'm going to do all of the five-step program of usurping the authority. Think about Satan, Lucifer, the cherub that covereth, 
He's smarter than smarter. He's a sum full of beauty and wisdom. He thought God created him to be his equal. Did I say? God, Satan thought that God created him to be God's equal. He thought he was equal to God. And that God wanted that to be the case. By the way, does that sound like some religion out there that believed that? Yeah, a couple of them. So when he wins, he by, when he rebels, not wins, when he rebels, by force, he takes something that Christ created. And what God in the revelation of the hidden wisdom says, that not only does he die for humanity, but he also died to reclaim what he created for God's glory. Uh, Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God, obviously you're talking about Jesus Christ, the firstborn of every creature. Now watch, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. All of that governmental structure out there, heaven and earth, invisible, visible, all of that government authority, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto him, so, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So just in case you missed what he's talking about all things here, he repeats heaven and earth. But notice verse 20. By the blood of the cross, what, did he, what is he able to do now? Reconcile all of the governmental structure of the universe. Put it right back under the proper headship, ownership, rule of the Father. Now look at verse 21. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he crucified. That's your justification unto eternal life. You follow that? So not only does he die for humanity's sin problem and fixes that, but he also dies over here. His death also has the eternal ramifications that one day God's going to set the heavens back under its rightful ruler, and then he's going to set the, universe, the earth back under, and he's going to put the Lord Jesus Christ, the God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, all are going to sit over as rightful ruler over the universe. And had Satan known that, he would have never allowed Calvary to happen. It's a little deeper than just you getting your sins forgiven and having heaven as your home. Colossians 2, verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of an ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to, to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. No one before Paul has ever said that about the law, being nailed to Calvary. Nobody ever said that. Verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them the principalities and the powers openly triumphing over them in it the cross you see god's god had a response he kept it secret he formulated that thing way before any of this ever happened before the world began put it in his pocket kept it secret and then right on time when it was time 
he revealed it. And the ultimate destruction of the adversary, spoiled, to the victor goes the spoil, war. And Isaiah, he says, who will contend with me? Let him come. Let's go. And there's that spiritual battle on the cross. Yes, for the souls of humanity. That's all they knew. But then through Paul, what else do we learn that was going on in that battle? The rulership, the ownership of the universe, of creation. So the mystery reveals the eternal ramifications of the cross. It reveals eternal life for humanity, the answer of the sin issue, but it also, that eternal ramification into the heavenly places. By the way, if you come over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, I struggled with doing this, but we got two minutes, three minutes. So 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first... Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him the life ever. Notice that in me first. Paul's the first one to have this. It's in him. You come over to Galatians chapter 1. You got to pay attention to those little two letter words sometimes. Galatians chapter number 1. Galatians. Chapter number 1, verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, To reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, and off he went. Notice, me first, Ephesians 3, I, me, but where? In me. I'm the, I'm the vessel. I'm the pattern. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 and 8, when Paul brings up, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, the hidden wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He is not talking about that, the event of the cross because that's been talked about since, Gen since the beginning. He's talking about the eternal ramifications of that event was kept secret. How that God is going to provide for all man redemption, justification, but then how he's also going to come over here and has the right, because of the blood, to reconcile all of the structure back under. To be, literally be able to create the new heaven and the new earth and do it legitimately, legally, because he said he was going to, but he didn't say it until who? Until Paul. So you can't read this stuff back in the Old Testament. It ain't back there because he didn't say it. He says it through Paul, okay? Now, verse 8 ends with, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We'll talk about that next time, okay? Whew. All right. That's a lot, but... Uh, hopefully you, you get the flow, and if not, you can work on it and YouTube the video again and again and again and again. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son, and we thank you that you kept a secret, and then you revealed it and you made it known. And that dispensation of you and your goal and your ultimate uh, accomplishments is now made known 
and our participation in it is wonderful. And we appreciate it and we thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.